Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, whose shoulders are fucked, basically, because <laughs> he's been doing too much painting. We're not talking about surfing now, we're we talking about the mindful painter and decorator. Mindful painter, doing it in your pants, or nude, or were you fully dressed, like in a... Well, I don't want to get like, old into your fantasies here. I have a set of... Old shorts and a T-shirt that I generally use to paint in. I just mm. paint and decorate, and then I put them away for the next time. They're covered in paint and decorate, mm. <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my grandfather would be proud. When he left the Navy, he was a painter and decorator, but he probably did a lot better job than I'm currently doing. So, no, I've surfed, and I've been a grafter. Grafting, lad. Grafting. Grafting. We've had a lot of ways, haven't we? It's been, <laughs> by world standards, it's been so messy. And just like, why would you surf that? And yeah. what are you surfing? And what are you trying to do? What are you out there for? And for us, you know, we get what we get and we don't get upset. And I think it's always about that mindset of going in and just enjoying it and seeing what you get. I've got to say... Dodging we, the shit wave police again. Dodging the shit wave police. I've got to say, we, I was on a wave. This has never happened before. And this may come out all wrong, but I'll go for it anyway. Go on. <laughs> Never stopped you before. It's never stopped me. I don't know why I'm even saying that. And I'm going on the left. Somehow made the takeoff, getting thrown around. You know one of those takeoffs with the white wood on your back and it's all chucking around, which you're very good at, actually. But my press-up strength has always been pretty poor. Just kind of managing to get my body in the position and then I'm up and then I took off and I hit this first little section, rebounded, got some speed, cool. And then there was this lovely bowl carve section backside. So there you go. Firstly, heels, whip it round to be able to get it into that tight toe turn body angles that are, and then my buddy is right there suddenly out of nowhere down beneath me so I just completely sprayed him now at the exact same time another mate of mine was coming on the right hander connecting into this left hander so he sprays my buddy as well so we basically in the end both completely sprayed my friend in the face now you can take that any way you want for me obviously I'll think of things like Pornos. I know. That, I'm, obviously. I'm sitting here thinking, I sadly know where this is going. <laughs> obviously, I think of pornos and think of spraying people in the face. And this is where it actually gets a little serious. So then my, my mate, who's done the right, was then suddenly we were on a collision course. And I was like, fuck. So I jammed on the tail pad and kind of spun my ball back the other way and almost completely by accident did that thing Kelly does <laughs> dare I call myself anything compare myself to Kelly but what I mean is Kelly does this thing a lot he's done it for years very famous for it where he goes up the bowl and comes round the bowl yep it's a very Kelly move a lot of people do it now but he was the sort of original guru at that and um, it's kind of like a 360 but you just go up and round the bowl it's a very easy thing to do in snowboarding actually it's a really fun thing to do in that way yeah and then I came away from it and Rory and I were like oh you know this is my mate Rory and we were like, oh, dude, that was so close. And I said, listen, dude, actually, it taught me that, well, not only is it quite fun to spray your mate in the face, take that as you will, but also, too, it's we are capable of lots of different things on surfboards that we didn't think we were. And the limitation really is in the mind, isn't it? Yeah. The body, obviously, is, <laughs> is oftentimes limiting, too. So I don't know if I'm ever going to quite be able to do a, <laughs> an air reverse, double grab, land, yada, yada. But there's nothing to say that really, you know, the only limitation I would have is the one in my mind, you know? 
So yeah. it was a really, I was like, whoa, then they have ever quite been on a wave on that angle like that before. But then, geez, if I just practice that more, then maybe it would happen, you know? It's one of those where we're talking about, you can't describe how you've just done the thing that you've done when you're mm. in this kind of moment of flow. As in what spraying the face? Well, mean, all of that. Oh, but, but you know, when, you, when you're kind of in this place where you go, not quite Mason Ho and Jamie O'Brien in the same barrel at Pipeline together, but you're in a situation where you have to make some sort of emergency decision but your sort of superpower brain has taken over at that point because it doesn't trust the thinking brain. It's the non-thinking mm. brain that reacts, isn't it, almost, that says, so I'm just going to do something here. But all of the things you've done training for years and years and years on a surfboard have allowed you to take that whatever evasive action you've taken to not run into Rory and ruin his surfing career. There you go. There you go. And vice versa. And vice him versa. as well. It's been a good challenge, isn't it? I think yeah. I find in surfing that if my takeoff isn't quite right, the whole flow after that moment is affected. And I remember um, Kales Brock, is it yeah. his name, does some good coaching videos online, and he was discussing the same sort of thing. And it's really interesting when he breaks it down and analyses, it's the very first moments of you taking off is where your shoulders are in relation to your hips, in relation to your feet, yep. and how that board then responds. And I've looked like such a kook in the sea the last couple of days on quite a number of ways because the takeoff has just been so challenging. And it's great because I think what it does is it's really taught me that firstly, A, I'm really weak in that push movement compared to other things that I'm stronger at. And secondly, B, it is just so, so important to get that takeoff dialed down. Yeah. You're remarkably good at takeoff. And I think I've seen this in your training. Like when you're training your push press, your push ups in general, like you can bang up so many press ups and also you can bang them out really quickly. Like you've got this quick arm movement. Mm very fast twitch in the arms. And we discussed this before. We were on the phone together the other day, weren't we? And we were yeah. talking at great length like we do all the time about surfing. Like my, yeah. my dear wife, I walk in the house fucking half nude from a surf. We just had where we were talking in the sea about yeah. surfing whilst we were surfing. And then I've gone in the house still talking about surfing with Liam on the phone or a friend like, you know, like breaking it down. And what about this? And what about that? And I remember walking in half nude and had you on speakerphone and I was saying, you know, what's interesting about your surfing is that you're very, very, very strong in that power movement. Like your snap is epic. And then there are other bits that are weaker. Yeah. But listen, every surfer in the whole world has strengths and weaknesses. Correct. You're never going to get away from that. And that's um, what we're talking about last week is training the weakness. Yeah. So focus on the bits first. Certainly from our experience, I'm still trying this, is to work on the bits that I have always had as a weakness. But previously, I didn't really do it because you go to the glamour bits of your or your strength, don't you? You think, oh, I'm going to train that because I know I'm good at that. So I'll start there. And really, it's that old Arnold Schwarzenegger thing of starting with the stuff that's weakest first, whether that's ankles. Often legs for people, isn't it, really? For me, it is definitely legs. All that chain, all the way up, ankles, calves, quads, hamstrings, butt, glutes, and then leave the strong stuff that you're good at maybe to the end of the session. Everybody has different sort of different strengths and weaknesses. Different strengths and weaknesses. Because I think it's also for you, what you found is when the paddle gets really hard. Yeah. That that's where your biggest weaknesses sort of come to the fore. And it's this kind of thing that we've discussed a lot, which is kind of, you know, your genes are like fast twitch. Mm. What I know about that in terms of training is that if you have a powerful set of muscles or you're naturally built for like, let's say, sprinting short, sharp movements, explosive movements, it'll also mean that when you keep doing those over and over and over, because even paddling is an explosive movement, yeah. one stroke by another by another, you're trying to pull as hard as you can to actually just get out of those waves is that they don't have what's called a high oxidative capacity. Mm. So they aren't able to take on oxygen very freely. So yeah. the aerobic aspect is somewhat more difficult. But like anything, you can use your environment to mimic and dictate your genes. Genes are just, of course, as they are. And, and there's so much of them that can never change, obviously. 
But there's tons of literature that shows with training on those weaker parts that you can really start to make you know, huge inroads into creating new genetic structures. So you, for example, for you, it would be to have more slower twitch, higher oxidative capacity within those muscles. And you can actually change those fibers yeah. if you train enough. Yeah. Listen, I made a meme, sat down about two hours ago that I sent to you that we're going to put out this week and we'll talk about it now. And it's very much this thing where it's really only your ego that could ever hold you back. Mm. from getting better at surfing because what you did that's so different and it's really different i've got to know a lot of surfers 50 100 150 surfers over the years and know a lot a lot of surfers and the ones who consistently keep progressing are the ones where they've not completely because it's impossible but the ones where they've removed their ego from the picture as much as possible because then there's a vibe from that person that the shield is down and if the shield is down it's like why wouldn't you want to know everything possible from other people who are doing it differently and are more advanced and more experienced than you to get better? What the fuck would stop you from wanting to know that? Because you want to get better. You can tell with people when there's that shield in place. Do you know what I mean? Have you, have you encountered that? Uh, I've had that shield because you do. We're human and especially blokes, we have a shield. You know, it's a bit like talking about training your weaknesses. If you say to someone, oh, you've got weak legs. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah takes a lot and it's it's a sort of deconstructing as again this has run through the theme of the show isn't it that you have to sometimes really look at yourself in a mirror and accept that there are weaknesses and there are things there are work-ons if you want to grow and improve now obviously if you don't want to grow and improve you've got a fixed mindset and you don't think that's possible that's where you are and i think you can work on that and it has to be a desire and a motivation to grow and progress one of the things that i've always found i guess this applies also to whatever you know work music sport all areas where you might want to grow and improve, you have to really strip back to the naked self and say, where am I weakest? And is this constructive input that I'm now seeking out to get applicable? And how do I apply it? And how do I sort of work on those things in order to sort of get better? But it's a huge, huge hurdle. I can't almost overstate the, how enormous it is often to face the ego down and say, I accept that this is an area of weakness. And I accept that I need to improve here in order to get better and grow. You've got to be ready. It's almost the right time mm. and the right place. And I think importantly, often the right person giving that advice to you in order to improve. So, you know, seeking out the right coaches, but in many ways, it's starting first with a self acceptance that you are going to improve. And to do that, you're going to have to sort of start making your ego and indeed then yourself a little bit more uncomfortable than it would otherwise be if you keep that shield up. Yeah, that's really true. And there's a lovely quote. I think it's a roomy quote. And it's, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. And it's this thing where when someone's humble enough to be honest about where they're at, people just seem to turn up. They can be classed as bracket, quote unquote, teachers, but they're just people and they just sort of seem to turn up. And whether that's people online or people you meet in person, they do. And if you're receptive to that, that's when you grow. That's when you get better at anything. But surfing in particular, because there's so much ego wrapped up in it. And it's fascinating with that, that what ego can also do, one of its biggest shields is being too hard on ourselves. Because actually, in being kind to yourself, it's unusual and not the norm. And anything that's not the norm like that is different. And as soon as that's different, the ego doesn't like being different to other people. Because it's so much easier to slap the water and go, for fuck's sake, I'm surfing shit, my board is shit. You know, it's, it's so much easier to do that than calmly just go, okay, okay. I did that. You know, why? 
how about this? And treat, approaching it calmly like that. And that's different. And it's not what gets seen in the car park. And as soon as you're an outlier, as soon as you're different, you're sticking your neck out and fuck me. People will poke at that. They'll criticize it. And it makes you vulnerable. Yeah. There's a Wayne Dyer quote, which is, you know, don't die with your music still in you. Surfing might just be surfing, but fuck me, it's creativity in action. That's what it is. And I know people criticize this show and we've had recent people sort of talk about how they don't like it and shit that happens, but... Don't bloody listen then. Don't, you will quite... But that's what I love about <laughs> critics. And they're always on the fence. They're always on the fence yeah. poking. And that's... I'd always way rather be inside the ring. I'd, yeah. If I'm in the ring, I'm loving life. I'm being creative. And when you are being creative, whether it's surfing or otherwise, you're doing something that's so remarkably different to following the crowd and keeping up the shield. And where I'm really going with this is on an insight for being too hard on yourself and how we are, relating it back because there were some recent photos done of myself and a friend of mine. And this friend is someone I really hold my hat up to. It's Matt. And yeah. I'm sure if Matt's listening, Matt, love your surf and love your attitude. Great, great surfer. He's someone we all looked up to, really shreds, like always seeking out secret spots. He's got a real positive mindset for what he wants from it. And has just got it really dialed and has been on that journey for many, many years. And there were photos done of us by a friend. You know, we were on this really kind of weak, junky waves, but we were getting the occasional turn in. And when I was looking at the photos, it's really interesting because you've got just two of us in, Surfing at a reasonably similar level, mm. although I don't believe I'm surfing at his level. This is what makes it really interesting. Is we're both doing turns and you're watching the spray and you're looking about where the board position is versus the arm position versus where your eyes are at. You know, as we know in surfing, you surf with your eyes. You know, if you're not looking right back to where that pocket is, we've mm. discussed this with you because mm. sometimes you tend to look more at the nose mm. of the board than the pocket, then you don't hit the pocket. So your eyes are everything in surfing. And um, I saw Matt on the seafront and we were actually chatting about the photos and, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he even said, yeah, it's really interesting when I look at yourself, when you're doing turns, you're completing turns right back to the pocket because you can see your body positions are twisting out and through and you're not trying to force the turn from more than what it can be. And I said, been back to him, I said, Matt, I mean, honestly, this is crazy because I said, in seeing you do your turns, I'm like, fuck, that's so much more radical than mine. I'd love to be as radical as he is. And we both talked about this in a very mindful way that once you really drop the shield you kind of go i'm really good at that and that's cool and you can be confident in that and there's nothing wrong with that and then at the same time you can also go well that geez he or she is doing that and i'd love to be able to do more of that mm. and being able to tell someone to their face that this is what they're doing that you'd love to be able to do is an act of vulnerability surfing is um unique in that way because it's creativity if you're being complimentary about someone's creativity Shit, that's quite a deep compliment in a way. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. We talk about surfing being art and how you can't do it wrong. There's technical things that we talk about from an improvement point of view, but from a sheer expression of joy, you can't do it wrong. If you want to ride the wave like you ride it, then you, you do it. Jamie O'Brien even said that. But what you get from art, as in the, let's call it the real world, are critics and people who want to criticize for whatever motivation they have to criticize. They feel invited to criticize because you're expressing yourself. And I think, you know, what you want to say is don't ever be put off by the critics in trying things and expressing things. But that takes a big leap of faith as well, doesn't it? To start not worrying what those people think. And it's a work on for even you and I sat here talking about it so often. And when you then seek out the people that you want to find input from to grow and to improve your art or whatever you want to describe it as, 
is also remember where that person's coming from when they're giving you their critique.、Mm. Because some people are criticizing because they themselves have got their shield and their ego, and it helps them feel better about themselves when they're criticizing. It's why surfing is so big on kooks, right? Kook, kook, kook. Because by calling anybody a kook, you're making yourself feel better about your own ability, surfing, knowledge of the ocean, whatever it might be. Criticism comes from two different places. One is from constructive critique of how you might engage that critic to get better if they're giving you input. That could be in the form of a coach. But then you have criticism from the naysayers and the detractors, always going to throw shit at you because they don't want you to improve and they certainly don't want you to feel good about yourself. That's what I've always found. So fucking true, dude. Honestly, and it's why you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, the Jim Rohn quote. It's a beautiful quote because. If you're around surfers who are positive and mindful and encouraging, then you will be the product of those people. But you've got to be those qualities yourself. You can only attract who you are and what you are. Yeah. So if you're not those qualities, then you won't find those qualities in other people. You know. Again, it's, I keep using Rumi quotes, but what you are seeking is seeking you. As in, you know, if you're wanting a surf crowd that really lifts you up, then you've got to be the lifter. You have to be that vulnerable soul first. You have to be that person that whoops and hollers at people's waves and encourages people and compliments them and sometimes takes the piss, but hopefully in a bountiful, gentle,、yeah. mindful way where there's a sort of rapport there. Because if humour is an interesting one, people can get humour wrong, as I can. Like we all can. You go over the line in a way. But I've often found that people who do that tend to be doing that when they go over the line because they, again, like you're saying, they're making a joke or poking fun. To put someone down and put them back in their place and dot 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 and whatever and and you can feel it you know when someone's just in life in general whether it's in the in or out of the ocean when someone's constantly using humour it seems forced anything that's forced just doesn't seem right、mm. and there's a vibe that's just off on it and it, it just doesn't sit whereas when you're around people where humour just seems to pop up more spontaneously you know then it's not coming from ego it's coming from like love and your soul and whatever else、Enjoy. it seems to work you know. On that front, you look、there、like we, Hitler. There we go.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does. I tell you, you just look like Adolf Hitler when you're in the sea. Your hair just does this thing, <laughs> and it's it's a beautiful thing too. There's another four hundred. There was upsides to Hitler. You listen like any human、yeah. being, you know. No, you're right. It's just criticism, dude. You got to watch where it comes from. Yeah, self or others. If it's not from the good place, then it's it's poor. Hell yeah. Woo! We've gone up and down there, haven't we? Yeah, all around.、It. We do it, you know. You go through, you know, porn, vulnerability, evil dictators, <laughs> evil dictators. I mean, all in one combo.、Yeah. I mean, all say, about surfing. That's how you roll. <laughs> hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at the Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends, or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review? Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week. Keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Segment two: a bit of mindfulness because it raises the awareness, and the more aware you are of your mind, the more you can basically figure out yourself. Because people know way more, and I mean way with capital W A. How do I spell way? <laughs> capital W A Y. Way more. About politicians and sports people and celebrities and fucking who's in the pit than they do themselves. You get to know yourself, then you're really unlocking the key to enjoying life more, enjoying yourself more, enjoying everything more. So take a deep breath in through your nose, and then breathe out, and breathe in, 
and breathe out. And take a breath in and breathe out. Keep taking deep breaths in through your nose for about four seconds. Try and hold your breath at the top. And then breathe out for eight seconds. Keep doing that four seconds in. Hold your breath at the top. And then eight seconds out. Four seconds in, hold your breath, and then eight seconds breathing out. That's great. Good work, guys. One area that mindfulness has dramatically aided my surf progression is um, diet, because we all have things called cravings. Now, cravings are really interesting things, because you kind of ask the question, what are they? Do you know what I mean? I find mm -hmm. that an interesting question. Like, what is a craving? And we're talking about the craving for the things that lead to an excess of calories yeah, or an excess of inflammation, whatever it might be for your body, that would um, reduce your performance on a surfboard. It's an athletic sport. If you don't treat yourself like an athlete, you can't expect to be athletic. And that's the nature of surfing. So though people might think you're taking it overly seriously because you treat yourself like an athlete, well, that's a load of bollocks. Because mm -hmm. guess what? It takes balance, poise, power. Strength. It takes everything of being an athlete. So if you look after yourself like one, then you progress what level of talent you have to its absolute optimum, which I think is a fucking amazing thing. It's so inspiring that. And mindfulness is those cravings. So you finish dinner. I think we all have, I listen, I have this thing. It's when I finish dinner, that is my biggest challenge. So it's just all these foods in the cupboard. And it's like, ah, oh, just a bit more, bit of this, bit of that. And when mindfulness comes in is, am I aware of these thoughts right now or not? Because if I'm aware... I'm in a win-win situation because it's this, right? If I'm aware and I still go in for that cereal, which I keep talking about this. Yeah, you get sponsored by them in I'm a second. I'm going to be sponsored by these guys. Was it Cocoa Pops again? <laughs> or Frosties? It, it's, it's just Frosties. No, because it's this extra just sort of palate thing that I'm after. It's, it's just craving. Basically, it's just carb sugar craving. That's what it is, really. Although it's quote-unquote healthy, but it's still just excessive calorie. I don't need those extra calories. When I'm aware of those thoughts and just allow them to be there for a moment because I've practiced mindfulness for a number of years and I'll just watch those thoughts and there they are and, you know, oh, it'll be so lovely. And have a bowl, it'd be so lovely. It'll make you really happy. It'd be really nice. There's so many thoughts on there. Oh, go on, go on. And there's another thought. Say, no, don't, don't. Because it'll fuck your surfing and it'll fuck your hips and you'll feel tired and a bit weaker and a bit fat the next day. And no, oh, but no, go on. You deserve it. You know, it's yummy and you've surfed all day and go on and, you, and life's short. And you're never going to win with thoughts because no. there's always a rabbit hole. There's always a duality that it'll go one way, then it'll go the other way. How do you know what the truth is? Well, the truth is that the thoughts are going on and there they are and there they are. The win-win is if you can let them pass and then consciously choose the crisps, the booze, the cereal, or whatever extra might be going in. Oh, I right? do. You do, right. But, then, but, then, but we discussed it, and this yeah. is where my conversation goes, because this yeah. is so important. Then you're enjoying life. So it's a real tricky thing when someone mindlessly does that, because they're not A, enjoying it, and B, they're suffering, suffering. So, geez, if you're going to smash down the beers or have fun, or have fun and really be there with it. Don't just do it mindlessly. That's what I'm trying to say. There's some of them cravings, though, I would say. Sometimes your body 
on a serious element of cravings, craves the things it needs, because it's quite an intuitive thing, a body, mm-hmm. isn't it? A bit like pregnancy cravings in, in women or people who are iron deficient sometimes want to eat things that have got iron in them. They're sort of drawn towards red meat or, I don't know, you know, even to the extent of desiring to eat actual iron. You know, there's a sort of real pull towards. But it's about, do you have a healthy relationship with the things that you are uh, pursuing? Could be anything. Could be even surfing. If it's a food and drink relationship, and I've been up and down with this myself, it's what's the balance like and who's in charge of it. And, and if that's taken control of you to the extent that you can't control those cravings and you have an unhealthy kind of connection with them, so you do it and then you feel bad and you do it and you feel bad. Yeah, that's it. Whereas if it's part of the ebb and flow of your life and you can work it in without sort of beating yourself up about it, it starts to regain some of that balance. But absolutely, I think, you know, when you're looking at it from a performance point of view, there are some things that you shouldn't put in your body in excess if you want to get the best out of it. It's just sort of biology, isn't it, really? Because I have an excessive craving for carbohydrate. I love carb-heavy <laughs> stuff. And beers, that's just my, it's just my weakness. And I know that. <laughs> Proper job. Yeah. That's your favourite beer, isn't it? I love Sorry. Proper Job. Which is, by the way, we just talked yeah. about. Proper yeah. Job, if you're listening. It's an Austell brewery. Send, please. send him some beer. Hey, did you get sponsored by O'Neill? No, but the St. Austell Brewery have just sent me 500 <laughs> crates of proper job. Uh, is your surfing any better? Not really. <laughs> yeah, we've got all, we got all these yeah, supplement companies yeah, yeah. and wetsuit and board. No, no, no we got a beer company. Yes, That's yeah. what we got. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Neil. So you kind of got to just get that balance right, really, for me. And as I work on it, it certainly gets harder as you get older to dial that. Uh, if you dial the excess up too much, then the recovery is harder. And of course, you don't surf as well. And that's what we're all talking about, right? How do you optimize longevity in surfing? And your own growth agenda? How do you meet those goals? Go back to that sort of surf school a couple of years ago now that I went to, because it's full of wisdom, one of the Portuguese guys that ran it. And I think this was particularly to the Brits who would frequent this place, that um, you'd surf really badly the next day. And he would also, yeah, beers, beers last night. Mm. It was so true. And the ego would go, no, 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 it's fine. (laughs) But, you know, excessive beers, sluggish surfing the next day, not really taking it in. It's so true. I find it, it's like night and day. Yeah. If I've eaten the things I know I shouldn't, and if I've not eaten the things that I know I shouldn't, it's literally, one day I can't surf, next day I can surf. Yeah. It's a food for me, in my body, and also the people I've worked with, and drink, obviously it's in that, you know, just what you put in your body, has a huge effect on your performance. And that's not even just the body fat element. It's actually that there's a kinesiology to food. So you can hold a food next to your heart and mm. then do a muscle strength test. Mm. And that's actually a proven science. It's not just woo-woo. There's a kinesiology to food. Okay. So essentially, you can hold, let's say, a banana next to your heart. Mm. It's a little test you can do. And you do a muscle strength test. You get someone to push down on your arm, your other arm, and you can see how strong or weak it makes you. So if there's a food you know doesn't agree with you, let's say, for example, gluten, that's a famous one. You can hold a piece of bread next to your heart, do a muscle strength test. Then you can grab another food that you know is maybe really good for you, a piece of salmon. I'm just choosing cliches, by the way. Hold it there, do the same thing. You'll feel the difference. And it's a remarkable test to do. It's a really interesting thing to do. I didn't know that. Yeah, kinesiology. It's the word of kinesiology. And you can go and see kinesiologists who can do this on a number of things. So the next and- time I'm doing a press-ups over a crate of Guinness. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> straight. I'll see how well they go. Down. Well, here's what's really interesting about mind-body connection is if, if mentally you feel good about the booze you're drinking, then yeah, it will make you stronger. It's really interesting. It's kind of the link between the mind and the body is being researched more than ever. So the pure physical response that your body has mm. to a proper job is what it is. And obviously it's undeniable. But there's so much that the mind does that leads into mm. that beer thing. Now, it's, for example, if you stress about it, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to feel like shit. And oh, that will affect your surfing mm. just as much as 
the booze itself was just really interesting. It says, why it's so important to be kind to yourself if you do end up going off script and having a load of fun and whatever and doing that. Because it's so important for your body to do that because it's less stressed. You'll feel better anyway. For me personally, in my life, I do eat very, very religiously for what I love to do, which is surfing. Because I think over the years, I've started to realize like just how much it means to me to better do it well. And therefore, weighing that up against five minutes, three minutes, how fucking long does that chocolate last? How long does that bowl of cereal last? How long does that beer last? Like versus the amount of hours I spend surfing. Like when I break it down like that, that has had a big effect on me. It's the kind of why, you know, why am I not eating that? You know, why am I living this lifestyle? Because of the ocean is my church. It's a sacred place. When I don't kind of do what I know I need to do for my body to get the most in that place, I don't feel like I'm honoring my truth, truthfully, if that makes any sense. It's lip smacking good, but it won't help your lip smacking. Are we talking about blowjobs here? What are Talk you about surfing. Kissing. You smacking the lip? Are you, are you starting a porno? Or are you smacking the lip? Can you start a porno company? Oh my What's going God. on? No, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Dude. We got a lot of new listeners after the last show, and now you've just yeah, lost them all. I like, I like pushing them away. <laughs> I like stay with us. Loads it does. of listeners. Stay with us. It gets way for, better. Come in for the insights. And then, then they go, oh, God, he's just <laughs> said that. Why is he saying that? Second number three, Mind Body Stoke. Things Liam and I have been doing our minds and bodies to raise the stoke. We've kind of lent on this already with grass and nutrition. I want to mention something on my mind. Now, in surfing, we're trying to find the balance between order and chaos. And when you find it, you just, whew, that's it. You're there. The vortex, the stillness, the flow whatever you want to call it, stoke, because you're on this wave and it's going and it's peeling and it's breaking and you're there and you're kind of in control of it. But of course, the wave is a bit chaotic and you're all just kind of in this melting pot between order and chaos. Now, so much of what goes into that relationship is, you know, the boards that you ride. Now, relate that back to fins in those boards. For me, I ride a, a puddle jumper almost in, let's say, 80 to 85% of my surfs. It's become a go-to board because it just does everything I need it to in the ways that I surf. One to or two to four feet mush. And um, in that realm, like we have this thing where we live, which is we'll get a lot of really weak sections, really weak takeoffs, lots of really weak, weak bits of wave. And then because it's windswell and very, very unpredictable, it will suddenly warp this huge, beautiful bowl that's fast and like, whoa, Jesus. So what I found is if I up the chaos factor by riding a quad, riding a 20 within that board, okay, it's great because I really have loads of fun in those really weaker bits of, mm. of the wave. But when it really push comes to shove and I want real order in my board, there's so much chaos in the wave. The tail slides out. I'm not quite able to get that joy. So it's funny because like people look at thrusters and go, oh, that's boring. That's so like ego because you put riding a thruster and you're trying to impress people. No, no, no. Only you know for yourself what's going on. So for me, I've gone back to thruster again and realized I get more joy from it because what I've found is that the board I'm riding is providing enough chaos in itself because it's such yeah. a fast board. So I want to slow that chaos down and create a little bit of order. But it's funny, isn't it? Because what the hipster and the hippie and the kind of like soul surfery person would look at is, is they go, oh, nah, mate, you want to be riding a, a tweenie or a bonzer or a, just a single fin with like no rocker. And, and I'd be like, nah, I want to ride what gets me that line yeah. between order and chaos. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We talk about fins a lot, haven't we? And I'm kind of getting there now, but there's a point where I wasn't sort of progressed enough surfer to really feel the difference of fins. But that is changing as we start to I start to experiment with different boards. And I've found, I know a lot of people will talk about this and you can read a lot about this, but things like the twin have really helped my surfing. It's kind of unlocked a lot of things for me because of the way that the board moves. And I surfed a twin on a sort of smaller, slightly more performance board like the, the Luke Short. 
and then another Luke, the Luke Young, which you may have seen on social media, which I, I surf as a twin as well most of the time. And that's kind of much more larger, drawn out kind of board to surf, you know, in terms of the lines it draws and so on and so forth. I do see that absolutely now. But at the beginning, when I came back to it, I kind of really didn't know a lot of the time whether I was riding a thruster quad or twin. I was very much just a sort of down the line surfer. But now, yeah, absolutely starting to sort of play with the equipment that we have in the way of sort of changing the fins to really kind of get different sort of experiences from the wave. And like you're, you know, riding the quad for me, which I'd not done that much, was really kind of fun. You know, really sort of fast and furious for me at times. And uh, and, and I've enjoyed that a lot. It's, it's trying to find that balance, isn't it, between yeah. those two. And generally what happens with boards is the bigger they become, yeah. the faster they'll go. Yeah. So maybe the more order you need to bring back mm. into the, the back end of that board, mm. you know, the fins. Mm. Then the smaller the boards get, yeah. you know, the slower they will go naturally as a board. So then it's spicing up that tail can be really fun. It's why there's a huge wave right now mm. in popularity of performance twins. Mm. As people have realized that you can have a performance shape, mm. so it will have more rocket, it will go slower, it won't catch the wave, it will not race you out past the section. But what you can have is a fin that allows incredible order chaos stuff up off the top of the lip because it releases yeah. so beautifully. You don't know exactly what it's going to do. It's going to throw up this mass, like crazy maneuver and whatever. So that's why that's growing in popularity is that line, I think. But I fucking I love fins. I've got so many fins. <laughs> people take the piss all the time like, you bought another set of fins? I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to tweak the equipment and two plus ones and quads and it's all part of the journey, isn't it? It is. Dude, have you got anything you want to share? The big one for me, and it's been a work on from probably episode one, really, and we touched on it as we've gone through the gears, is um, acceptance of the conditions sometimes and not getting thrown off the enjoyment of a surf based on what you've done. And anybody that's listened, I don't play golf, but it's very similar to golf in the analogies that we draw sometimes with surfing. You can go to the course one day and hit a perfect round, and you could go back the very next day to the same course and mess up every shot that you take. There was a point when the sort of improvement curve for me was starting to kind of go a little bit steeper. I would have those moments where I'd surfed reasonably okay for wherever I was at on that sort of graph. And then the next day would surf atrociously, or the conditions, in fact, would start to throw off my mind. I sort of knew what I was trying to do, but the conditions changed enough that it started to get into my psyche rather than my ability. So bigger, like we were talking about, that kind of heavier, white, watery wave kind of scenario where you're lots of paddling, the takeoffs are quite sort of gnarly, all of that stuff would sort of almost upset me to the point where I was riding highs and lows. I was getting frustrated with where I was on that trajectory. Whereas the sort of just trying to focus, going back to it, it was a weakness or so working on that weakness and saying, actually, I'm just going to sit in that middle. The ups are great, but the downs are going to be there as well. So I'm just going to accept them and say, what might have been the case on the Thursday is definitely not the case on the Friday. And that actually happened this week. So Thursday, some of the best surfing I from a feel perspective as well. I feel I've, I've done. I was high and it was great. And, you know, happy days. High wave count as well. Friday, go back in. Same coast, slightly different stretch, but it was gnarlier and the weather was bad and the waves were heavier and it was a paddle fest for me rather than a surf fest. And so I think I spent nearly two hours paddling and caught something like two and a half waves, half a wave I was happy with. <laughs> you <have> a half? <laughs> the half wave I was happy with. And I guess even with my kind of really, you know, appreciation of being in the sea and getting all of the good stuff that goes with that. The progression part of me would have come out and gone, oh, you know, I've really, you know, and a lot of people around, so I've I felt like I'm not, I've surfed badly and the conditions haven't helped. But that's dialing down so much now that you think, well, oh, I still had a good, enjoyed paddling around. It's all part of the training. It's all exercise in the bank. It's conditioning in the bank, you know. 
you're experiencing different things at different times. And you take that into another session and you're getting the gains from it. You know, I think it's more of a mind hack for me is to just accept when it's not going well and not get frustrated by that because it's not forever. And in the same way that the great session is not going to happen time and time again, neither is the shit one. So that's it. It's why it's so important to let go of the past over and over and over and over again because you might have had an amazing surf where everything came together and then the next one, you just feel like you can't put a turn together and it just happens all the time. And it's why it's just so important to be present and let go of the past and move into the next surf and onto the next one. You might find, you know, you're getting worried because it's, you know, getting crowded on a given day. And then literally like a three days later, you go for a surf and it's just you and a friend. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's very, very, we live in a universe of temporary moments, yeah. temporary experiences, temporary circumstances. Yeah. Especially with the conditions. Constantly evolving, always changing. Yeah. So remaining calm and remaining within that flow of change is, is so important. One thing I wanted to raise on what you were saying there about waves, just getting two and a half waves, which makes me think like, how do you have half a wave? It's like having like half an orgasm. Like, how is that? How is that even possible? But anyway, is this guy, so it's Nat Young. A lot of people know who Nat Young is. He's got a son called Bo. Both great surfers, legendary surfers. And uh, I remember watching a movie once and Bo, his son was out there ripping, getting wave after wave after wave. And Nat was on the beach doing this interview and talking or narrating, I think. He said, as he's gotten older, he doesn't need as many waves to be stoked. And don't get older to not be able to have that philosophy now. As in, you know, be a 20-year-old, be a 30-year-old, be the surfer who can be allowed themselves to have one wave that's made that session. You know, it really isn't about quantity, although quantity helps. We all want as many waves as we can because they're mm. just so much fun. Mm. Why wouldn't you want more waves? I think that's just obvious. But so often nature and your level of fitness and the board that you're on and the conditions at the time just don't allow for it. There's got to be a letting go process of, oh, well, I only got one or two waves. Well, firstly, why are you assessing the surf so analytically like that, that, you know, just let it go? But also, secondly, it is what it is. Yeah. You can't change it. No. And being within that temporary bit is, is really key. And they, I love that, dude. And that's really cool. Anything else you want to share on body? A rest. I would sort of advise, he says, having sort of painted himself into sort of fatigue, is how important rest is. So, yeah, mm. we talk about training. And particularly for my age group of surfers, if you like, you know, not to overtrain, even if you are sort of training those weaknesses, because that's where I will notice the impact in my surfing as well. And you and I have discussed it. We talked about it a couple of shows ago. You can sort of do too much in the training bit when you then in the arena, you burnt yourself a little bit. That's what I'm trying to work out is knowing when mm. to not sort of exhaust myself from a training perspective. I completely get that. When I'm training clients for surf, it's an interesting one. Like you want to try and look at it like in season, off season. And when you're in season, as in when you're surfing regularly, because you, let's say it's winter where you are, that was generally where we get most of our waves. When you're in season, the most important thing is to use your training to aid your surf performance, not to produce it, which is, I know, really obvious. But what I'm saying with that is it's about volume and intensity. So your predominant goal at that time is to work on the skill sets and the fitness of actually being in the ocean yeah. is your predominant thing. So when you work on your training outside or on land for that ocean experience, keep the volume right down. Keep the intensity right down. You know, when we were discussing this, you were telling me that you've been doing this pull-up routine, press-up routine, squats, lunges, all these different things every day. And that's Liam's phone going off, which is actually quite a cool ringtone, dude. That's Superman, isn't it? I used to have that turned off. That's my text saying, when are you, you coming back to do the painting? <laughs> Never mind talking <laughs> I, about surfing. I thought you were going to say the porno. When are you going to come back to finish this porn movie? He's, he was on the mind. Do you know, it's just, we're recording this on a Sunday as well today. And Will's mind on a Sunday. Goodness me. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. 
so yeah, it's keeping volume right down. We were discussing it, and you were you're feeling pretty tired in this surf. And I was like, oh, how's your training going? Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing this routine every day where I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Every day? I'll do a set of overhead lifts with a dumbbell of like four or five reps where I could do 10, 12. I'll do a set of pull-ups, like two to four reps where I could do eight, you know. And that'll only happen on one day, intermittently on like, I'll do a little bit like, but it'll only be like a set because I just don't want any breakdown of muscle for the actual surf. Whereas if it's like off season, if you have like a whole week where it's going to be flat, let's say, or it's like summer where it's just going to be extended periods of flat or tiny and whatever. Yeah, put the volume in there. So put you know two sets, three sets, four sets and the intensity. So go to your failure and all that kind of stuff. But if you go to failure fairly often and up the volume, you're not going to be able to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I found that out, William. <laughs> so yeah, you want to keep it snappy and powerful and strength-based and mobility-based, but just keep that volume way down and spend way more time, I believe, stretching, mobilizing. That's the big one. Yeah. There's me um, doing my overhead press show. I want to be Tom Curran when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a surfer. Yeah. What a surfer. Anything you want to share, dude, last segment on surf media? I'm going to mention one thing because it's crazy, but I love it. Dragboard Company? Yeah. I don't know if they've been bought by Vans, but these kind of an irreverent bunch of uh, Aussies mostly, aren't they? I think uh, Chipper Wilson's behind it. He was involved in it and uh, just really anarchic kind of vibe around building this surf company based often around um, drag boards, bodyboards. Their recent, so I think it's about an hour long, this um, RIP3, which is on YouTube. And some of the waves in there are crazy. And it's a mix of like bodyboarding and surfing foamies and just people just mucking around in amazing waves. And I don't know, something that appealed to the sort of my younger, anarchic, punky self. I kind of like what those guys have created. And interestingly, made me think about bodyboards. Maybe we talk about this in the next episode because we were discussing the other day how there's a vibe with bodyboarders who they're just kind of a lot cool. Well, I should just give a shout out to a lot of the bodyboarders that we meet and know. Is this they don't give a shit, do they? So they're just kind of cool, easygoing, you know, slightly traditionally on the fringes. And I love how drag have kind of rolled all that into a sort of fuck you mentality and, mm. and sort of the positioning of it is really funny. I like it. It's a good thing to go and have a look at. So really check cool. it out. Yeah, I, I loved it. And it's funny on the boogie board thing. I've got to know a handful of boogie boarders yeah. and they're always really nice people yeah. and mindful characters. And they seem to, you know, work their way through the lineup in a mindful way and seem to really enjoy what they're doing and have a relaxed vibe. And we, I think we discussed this. I think what it is, is that, geez, you hold a boogie board under your yeah. arm, you've removed so much ego from the get-go because you've just made it about sliding just about having fun and gliding along yeah there's not much you can do in a, well listen someone might better tell me well there's a lot you can do a boogie board and i know there is i know there is and on really yeah. fucking steaming way yeah. slabs it's crazy shit you yeah. can do on a boogie board like flips and all sorts of stuff but on just average waves boogie boards can't do much like you just slide yeah and you're sort of there and you can do the odd little turn thing and get barreled and whatever, but you're just enjoying it yeah for its own sake and that's i think something that surfers could really learn from yeah myself included is not to take yourself so don't take seriously. it so seriously just go and enjoy the vibe and i think on that the next thing i would say and we'll go into more detail because we would probably speak to the guys is clayton and anthony at ombi surf mm. they work actually clayton's program works bodyboarding and body surfing into the sort of surf program from a surf media point of view, go and check those guys out as well if you want surf tips and surf coaching and, and just advice from 
people who have, uh, and certainly Clayton, I think, was trained some world-class surfers. I really like his approach. I mentioned him last week. We'll talk about them again, I'm sure. But uh, check that out as well on Surf Media if you can. Very cool. Very cool. Guys, thanks for joining us again. We'll see you soon. Next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Bye. guys.